gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. So what uh what is this place anyway? Is this some type of fancy DMV? Are you kidding? It's the Hall of Justice. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Welcome to the Hall of Justice. My goodness, I am so excited to share this podcast. There's really three words. Ms. Marvel's mom. The Disney Plus series Ms. Marvel and feature film that was released recently, The Marvels, is the focus of the character Kamala Khan from the comic books. In the story, she is a Pakistani Muslim kid from New Jersey, where I happen to, where I happen to reside. And a big focal point is her family. And as I mentioned when we reviewed both Ms. Marvel and The Marvels, I was taken aback by the mom, Muniba Khan. And despite the fact that I'm not Muslim or from Pakistan, that mother reminded me so much of my grandmother. My father was born in Havana, Cuba, and I had Cuban grandparents. The mannerisms, the accent was a little different, but oh my God, I felt she was channeling my grandmother. Muniba Khan was played by Zenobia Shroff, who is not Pakistani. She's from Mumbai, India. But she's been living in New York for 32 years. And through the magic of social media, she followed me on Twitter. And I had to confirm, because of what Elon Musk has done to Twitter, that this was actually the real person. And to do so, I made an offer. I said, would you come on the Hall of Justice? And she referred me to her agents. Once I spoke to her agent, I knew I was dealing with the genuine article. And getting to know Zenobia has been a highlight of my year. And I shared with her the reviews of both the Marvels and Ms. Marvel. Both things that are good. And I also shared my criticisms. But I made no secret about my affinity for the family. And especially the mom. Before I knew this would happen. Zenobia Shroff has had a wonderful career. She was originally a model. She switched to acting and then moved to New York to study in New York City's Circle in the Square Theater School. Since then, she's had a number of different roles in stage. She toured nationally doing musical theater. And then she played the mom in a fantastic movie starring Kumail Nanjani, The Big Sick. She was in The Resident, The Affair. She was in the pilot for the reboot of The Greatest American Hero which I need to talk to her about. But the big one is Muniba Khan, Ms. Marvel's mom. I also want to welcome back Factor to the podcast, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. Head to factormeals.com slash hallofjustice50 and use the code hallofjustice50 to get 50% off. More on that in just a few moments. 
I cannot believe I'm about to say hi to Miss Marvel's mom. <laughs> I've wanted to say that since the show came out. This is so cool. What a thrill to have you on. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. First of all, let's not do the, it's not a roast. So let's not do the, this is your life. Um, <laughs> I do want to get into to your, to your upbringing and, and your career. What has the reaction been to your character? Not necessarily the show or the film, but just right. to your character. Your love character, her. everybody I've told that's coming on this podcast is, oh my God, I love her. That's the best. That's so sweet. What has been the reaction you've seen? Love, love, and more love, honestly. Uh, just a lot of love and a lot of appreciation and a lot of um, from brown and uh, women of color and brown girls and their mothers, um, a lot of recognition, a lot of, um, <clears throat> you know, um, uh, representation, uh, those kind of remarks, but uh, a lot of love, a lot of love for Muniba and um, a lot of a lot of ideas for what she should do next. I'm like, that is, <laughs> that is above my pay grade. You're going to have to ask Kevin Feige that. If, <laughs> oh, so everybody has where they want your character to go? Yes. You know, there's just one bang. There are two bangles now. So, you know, let her have one bangle and let her have the power. And also... <clears throat> the the fight scene, let her fight more, which I <clears throat> which I too am all for. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed that. <laughs> so, but I will say across the board, nary a negative remark, um, from anybody, and it's been very very heartening. Um, and also, I'm I'm really happy that there are so many, uh, people who can who recognize Muniba and recognize this particular way that the South Asian mother is and um, say, you know, my mommy's just like this. My mother's just like this. Um, thank you for your, you know, being the way you were. Um, this is how I talk to my daughter. And I'm talking to people from all over the world, not just Muslim or South Asian, but in general, apart from, um, I think, you know, most women <clears throat> and communities of color really seem to identify with uh, with her. Lots of love, lots of love for Muniba. It was uh, when the movie came down, or uh, rather released, uh, the next two weeks were very busy online, I will say, because uh -huh. I, I did want to reach out and say thank you and, and build that fan base too, yeah. It's funny that you say that because... My grandmother mm -hmm. uh, was from, my father was born in Cuba. Uh huh. So my grandmother uh, was, uh, she's Cuban, no, she was. Right. Uh, and you embodied her. Oh, that's you nice. Embodied her. Like the, the character, the way, the mannerisms, the everything. I felt like I was in my home. And it's right. funny to hear you say that, that it's all walks of life because there's something about the portrayal that you had. That transcends. I'm not Muslim. I, right. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Jewish kid from New Jersey. Right. There is no part of that. But yet I found the mom, Ms. Marvel's mom, right. too, so relatable. 
yeah, it, it's almost like it's global, the relation to, to Muniba, because, um, and this is in no way, shape or form uh, deriding uh, the Caucasian culture, but apart from white people, it's um, everybody seems to, you know, identify with it. Yeah. I mean, and I, I have spent 32 years in New York City and um, I, I walk the streets and I, I'm a big believer that you have to live life and that, that helps you be a better actor. So I like to do things for myself mm -hmm. and uh, all of that. And anyway, you know, the subway is the great equalizer. We're all on the subway. Um, and I see, I hear how people talk to their kids black and brown families, um, Asian families, families from South America, Africa, everywhere. And it's they they make Muniba look like an angel. <laughs> like, I'm, good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. And also much of my struggling actor days were spent um uh as a babysitter, a nanny, an ed, uh, oh. theater artist, teaching kids theater. And um I definitely learned the differences in the cultural way in which kids are related to in all other cultures really except for i would say yeah caucasian culture i remember when uh the first black panther film came out right i we we do the reviews you you've seen right. the podcast we do the reviews and it was important to me to have an african american co-host that show because right. I wanted to ask this specific question, you know, how does it make you feel? Not how does it make me feel? Right. How does it make you feel? We had a running gag that an African-American can love Black Panther at 10. A white guy can only like it at 9.5. That, right. that, was, that was our running gag. Right. But then Shang-Chi came out and we had an Asian person. Yes. yes. And it, we we kept doing... Uh, uh, recently Blue Beetle came out. We had a Mexican lady uh, on, a wonderful person. When Ms. Marvel came out, I needed to find a Muslim superhero aficionado. And we right. found this guy, Suara, who is such a good friend and right. such an interesting guy. What he said was how authentic mm. the Muslim family was portrayed. Yes. Yes. Do you do you subscribe to that? Did you contribute to that? How did that come out? Yes, on yes, on all counts. Uh, I subscribe to it. I helped contribute to it. And um, so Sana Amanat, who is the creator of Miss Marvel, uh, wrote the comics, uh, is a Muslim girl from New Jersey. She's a Muslim American. So right at your baseline, you have authenticity right right there. There's no question of it. The way you know, everybody was uh, in the comics and, and the representation of that. And then you have the uh, Khan family was, we're all four South Asian. Iman and uh, Sagar have been raised in uh, Canada and America respectively. And Mohan and I have both been raised in Mumbai, which was then Bombay. But we have this baseline understanding of each other as South Asians and we know the culture really, really well. And so there's a shorthand and a, and a nonstop, uh, it's just an understanding of each other and who each other is. And um, representation came so easily because, for example, when we did, I think when we did Eid, or no, not Eid, 
when we did the wedding and the mehendi ceremony and and mm. in the home um and uh, you know there are still differences between the indian culture and the pakistani culture in terms of motives and idols and gods and mohan and i walked in there and we were like take this out take this out take that out to to the set designers because um it was it, it they were indian motives there were elephants and there was ganesh and it's like no 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 take all this out this is not and then sagar knows uh, you know his religion very well and he can he would say stuff so between us between sana and um and just and, and all our directors were none of our director we had one indian woman um born and raised here a wonderful lady mira and we had sharmin obeid chinoy who is pakistani so she brought that and then we had adil and bilal who are moroccan raised in uh, i, I want to say belgium so everybody had an understanding of that this is you know different but we were i was super particular uh because i cannot tell you Seth, the amount of times I've had to have, I've paid fourteen South Asian mothers to that. That at this point, <laughs> so I've had more than fourteen uh, discussions with hair, wardrobe, and makeup uh, <laughs> about how this should be done. And I'm not. I'm not. There were lots of them in the beginning of my career where I did not have enough. Um, standing to be able to fight back and i would i would land up looking like a you know christmas ornament with the most gaudy awful things yeah. on oh yeah by the time miss marvel came around um uh i i really advocated for how muniva should be and um uh i was lucky enough to have hair and makeup and uh people really listen you know i had to say some stuff at some point and that's okay because I know what how we dress. I know that doing the eyes and the kajal is really important. I know what I'm talking about. It's in my blood. <laughs> so um, literally, yeah, literally. And then we were very, very lucky with uh, the costume designer is from India, and um, I would say so far in my career the best costuming because he he gave money even though they were not rich. He gave these beautiful. South Asian shawls and brocades and silks and um, you know it, he just did such a fantastic job of keeping it authentically South Asian even if she was in a tunic and pants um, you know maybe it was silk or maybe the 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 textile was somewhat you know the design was somewhat Eastern and um, but I fought very hard for those things. Uh, on Miss Marvel, yeah. Sometimes you win and sometimes you lose, but I fought very hard uh, for those things on on Miss Marvel and the Marvels uh, too. But then on, in the Marvels, uh, Muni Brownlee had two costume changes, yeah. I want to welcome a new sponsor to the show, Factor. We talked about it in the beginning. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to help keep you energized on these busy busy days man do i know busy factor america's number one ready to eat meal delivery service has chef prepared dietitian approved 
ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. All you have to do is heat and enjoy. You put them in the refrigerator, not the freezer. These meals are prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Enjoy premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. All things I don't know how to make. If you're like me and need an extra boost to support wellness goals, there's Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Head to factormeals.com slash hallofjustice50. Use the code hallofjustice50 to get 50% off. That's code hallofjustice50 at factormeals.com slash hallofjustice50 to get 50% off. This November, get Factor and enjoy eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. And they are ready in two minutes. No prep, no mess. It's easy. Factormeals.com slash hallofjustice50. Well, the the one thing I would say, uh, the house was so authentic. Yeah. Uh, The house was decorated just so, and the transformation from Ms. Marvel to the Marvel's film, like it looked like the same place. Like, I I don't know Mm -hmm. what they took from the original to, well, let me, let me take a step back. Did you know about the Marvels when you were cast in Ms. Marvel? Um, no, I did not know about the, the Marvels, uh, specifically. I, um, I won't. I, I won't go into the details of my contract, but uh, no. But read it. I, we wanted to read the contract on the on the podcast. <laughs> that that would be a thrilling podcast. Just kidding. But I was aware that some movies could be made. Okay. But I didn't know that uh, the Marvels was going to be made. We we started knowing about the Marvels. We were still in Atlanta, so I'm not quite sure when. Maybe early. Yes, uh, early 21. Yes. Because we shot it in 21. You shot the Marvels in 21. Yes, yes. Right, right in the midst of COVID. Well, we shot Miss Marvel also in pick. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I I would think. I mean, yeah. Miss Marvel had to had, had to have been. Although we had a standing joke about Loki, there's a scene yeah. in Loki where they're in a in a, a in a train they're in mm-hmm. like this this mystical train right they're standing six feet apart and we said oh this must have been filmed during covid <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah miss marvel and the marvels were filmed during covid oh, yeah yeah. We, yeah we just did a whole month of marvel on the podcast and we said wow. how lucky marvel as a as a company or as an entity was that endgame came out before covid Correct. Yes. This this ultimate end game, like mm-hmm. you can just, just just imagine. No, one of my critiques of the Marvels is that they they destroyed your house. They destroyed I my house. It. Mad like, about it. Why does the house always have to get blown up? Shazam two, the house got destroyed. Blue Beetle <laughs> house got destroyed. Why are they killing the childhood homes? <laughs> uh what fun would it be if they didn't yeah the house did get destroyed and uh i don't know what's going to happen uh i can't imagine muniba 
I mean, you saw a little bit. She's not terribly thrilled about that, but right. Yeah, yeah. No, that well, that, and that's what I was picturing. Like when you're doing that, that's an example. That's how my grandmother would have been. Like that. That's right. my grandmother would have reacted the same way if I right. if I was fighting somebody in the in their house. She yes. would have had the same yeah. reaction. Um, but I, I, we have to give credit to. Um, the production designers of the Marvels who who recreated our home, uh, just brilliant. Yes, I don't so. know. They Look, I'm it. not going frame by frame. I'm not could, comparing it. It looks the same. I, I I could be wrong. I don't know enough. I don't know. They've just picked up the set and flew it across, um, but it was brilliant. Yes, That's but I, I I really don't know, so I shouldn't say. Hmm. No, that that that's fair. Let me ask you this. So tell tell uh, our audience, you said you were a struggling actor. You but you've lived in America for a while. Did you start yeah. your career and then come over? I, you never ask a lady her age, so I I'm just <laughs> assuming you're, you know, 25. Uh but, how did you how did all this work? Give me the give me the 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 the, the Wikipedia of your uh, uh, I almost said Reader's Digest and I figured that's going to turn yes. people off. Uh, yeah, well, I know Reader's Digest because, you know, I'm a woman of a certain age. But no, I began <laughs> my career. Um, I began my career as a commercial print model at the age of 16 in Mumbai. Uh, and I did that pretty successfully till about 22 or 23. And side by side, I was uh, a dancer and um i was studying i have a master's in psychology i was to be a therapist um and uh i was doing amateur theater there i had a very very um fantastic mentor a jewish lady uh who really thought i had some potential and um i was really at a crossroads after i finished my master's and there wasn't much happening in English theater enough to make a living. And I had a ticket to New York from some dance shows I had done. And she was adamant. She was like, you have something to offer. And um, I was 23 years old and I packed my bags and with $500 and two suitcases and I came to New York and uh, I never left. I went to circle in the square for a couple of months and then I hit the street um, you know, did some modeling and auditions, waitressing, the whole the whole nine yards. Right. Yeah. Oh man! Wow, what a success story! <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, the perseverance you must have had. Um, how many times? And you don't have to give me an exact number, but metaphorically, how many times were you ready to say uh, enough of this, or were you having enough success that it kept you motivated to keep doing it? No, I was not having enough success. Nobody knew what to do with me. Uh, nobody. We're talking of the early 90s. Um, and uh, I, I was too white to be Indian. And I was too Indian to be white. Oh, I was uh, really caught in from between a rock and a hard place. Casting was not what it is today. Um, I was told very blatantly on a number of occasions, change your name, get dialect coaching classes, um, and you can pass for a white American girl, call yourself Italian, call yourself Jewish, call yourself Greek. Um, 
and learn how to speak, you know, like with an American accent, which I is not the hardest accent anyway. So, um, so nobody knew, like you're too white, you do, um, you have, I mean, it was told, you know, to my face, you have white passing, use it. And that's, that's, um, for a girl who, you know, I mean, I'm Persian descent. I'm Zoroastrian. I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine. Oh, imagine. Imagine the things. You have no idea. So, well, we're talking pre-globalization, pre-internet. That we're going around in the snow and the slush, giving everybody your, you know, calling card. And um, er, nobody, you know, and I was also, um, <clears throat> I think the, the differences in my Eastern upbringing uh, which I still, I think I still have. Um, and being thrown in this big, bad world of New York uh, was a sink or swim. And I, I think I was too timid and too polite. Uh, those are not the problems anymore. <laughs> uh, no, I'm still very polite, uh, but I'm not timid. No. I, I, I mean, I can be. I mean, we all can get intimidated, but no, yes. But there's difference so, between standing up for yourself and being a jerk. You're right. You're exactly. Jerk. You can say anything to anyone if you know how to put it. Right. Um, so no, I, I, I had a lot of struggles. Um, nobody knew what to do with me. And um and that went on for quite a while. That went on for quite a while till I found a multicultural uh theater um downtown new york uh as one normally had them and uh found a wonderful community that i did a lot of good work with but you know it's theater it doesn't pay hardly anything and you're you so i was still doing day jobs and um yeah so i've had different rungs of the ladder i've had a couple of uh i wouldn't there's never been a meteoric sort of rise but i've had i've had several breaks and I, I guess the break that put me on the Hollywood map really I'd done movies before that was was the big sick in, in, in 2017 yeah Kumail Nanjiani he put... wrote it uh, and and it's it's a brilliant movie mm -hmm. what a great movie I think it's a, a fantastic movie and um <clears throat> but I'd been working for like 20 years before that but um you know, still today, nobody knows what to do with me. The very fact that I'm telling you that I have played 14 South Asian mothers is kind of, I'm very grateful that I've been able to eat off of and live and all of that. Right. But, um, you know, that you can't see me as anything else is, is also very disturbing. Sure, it has to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, it was a, it was a very. I appreciate your your honesty, and I appreciate you sharing. Yeah, welcome. I wrote finally wrote a uh, a show uh, because the harder it got, uh, Seth, the funnier I got, and that's been one of the things that's come from Muniba a lot. She's so funny. She's so I didn't even realize that I was <laughs> trying kind of doing it funny, but I, whatever. But the harder things get, you have two choices. You, you can try and see the humor in it. And I think I, I've always had a humorous bone and I, I did. So I started writing, uh, writing all these stories down of terrible, terrible casting moments and terrible, you know, what's your name? Zubonia, Zabina, Zabana, Zabani, Jabani, where are you from? Where's, are you Lebanese? Is that, is Lebanon in India? I mean, it, you have no idea. 
Um, and um, the microaggressions, the racism, the sexism, the, you know, not the ageism then I was young, but, uh, and it was, it's just, I started writing it down because it was hilarious. One guy literally said to me, are you from Lebanon? And I said, no, and I'm from India. And uh, no, I said, I'm from India. And he said, where is that in Lebanon? Oh. And I was like, yeah, right. It's in Lebanon. We just took India and we shoved it in 1 billion people. So, yeah, and it didn't speak well to the general American um, <laughs> standard. I was like, no, no, I'm from India, a whole other country, you know. And like your name is too difficult. We can't say it. And, you know, it was it was very hard. And so I started writing down uh, stuff and I started performing it uh, in I did a couple of stand up gigs. I wrote a piece called Exotic Observations because um, everybody would say, oh, you're so exotic. You know, you have these beautiful black eyes and black hair. And so we, so I wrote exotic. this piece called Exotic Observations. Uh, you know, and I had a lot more hair and yeah, I, yeah. I, all of that was a slimmer and all of that. So um, and then from that, I met a writing partner who I was impressed with. Um, and we wrote a show called How to Succeed as an Ethnically Ambiguous Actor, um, because that's what I've always been told. You're so ethnically ambiguous. We could cast you in anything. But can you do the Indian accent and play a mother? You know, so um <laughs> Uh, and we took it all the way to off-Broadway. So we workshopped it and workshopped it. Uh, so it was making lemonade out of lemons, yeah. People often ask me, how do I keep motivated? And uh, how do I keep my spirits up? Well. Things are, are moving forward instead of backwards. I think every neuroscientist in the world, if you lined them all up and asked them the same question, can the spinal cord be repaired, they'd say yes. That is the voice of Christopher Reeve. Whether this is your first time ever hearing the Hall of Justice or you've listened to over 300 of the episodes that we've put together, since this podcast was created in 2015, the superhero genre owes a great deal to the role Christopher Reed played as Superman. Partnering with the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation is an honor for the Hall of Justice podcast. In 1995, the accomplished actor was paralyzed after being thrown from a horse during an equestrian competition. After his accident, he lobbied for spinal injury research, and that led the man who once played Superman to the foundation that bears his name. Here's the origin story from the foundation's CEO, Maggie Goldberg. So when Christopher Reeve was injured in 1995, he was looking at all of the other organizations in the country and really around the world. Um, and there weren't that many that were searching for cures and treatments for spinal cord injury. And what he loved about our organization at the time, which was the American Paralysis Association, is that we were funding research. We, we, our mission and sort of theme was considered a laboratory without walls. We wanted to fund the best research no matter where it was in the world. And one of the other parts of the mission was bringing researchers together 
and to share information, which wasn't really something that was done at the time. Researchers you know, can be very competitive. They hold their information close to the best. So I think that's what really drew him um, most to this organization. The Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation is dedicated to curing spinal cord injury by advancing innovative research and improving the quality of life for individuals and families impacted by paralysis. We are on the cusp of a new era in spinal cord injury where real cures are within reach. The Reeve Foundation serves as a catalyst at this critical moment uniting academics, scientists, and industry in a new model of collaboration. The Christopher and Dana Reed Foundation is really the only national paralysis foundation focused on a dual mission. Today's care, tomorrow's cure. We are searching for cures and treatments for spinal cord injury, paralysis caused by spinal cord injury, but we also provide services and programs for people impacted by all types of mobility impairments. So when you think about paralysis, it's not just spinal cord injury, it's stroke, ALS, MS, um, in addition to spinal cord injury. And we're here to really help people navigate their journey through paralysis, whether or not they were diagnosed or impacted from you know, yesterday, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. This partnership is not the only tie Christopher Reeve has had with this podcast, even though it was created 11 years after his passing in 2004. In the 1970s at Juilliard, Christopher Reeve was good friends with Kevin Conroy. Little did they know then that while Christopher Reeve would be the embodiment of Superman, Kevin Conroy would be known as the voice of Batman. And Kevin was kind enough to come on this podcast during his illustrious career five times. Tragically, Dana Reeve passed away in 2006, and the foundation was renamed the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. I asked CEO Maggie Goldberg how listeners of the Hall of Justice podcast can participate and help the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. There are many ways to get involved. The easiest is to go to our website at ChristopherReeve.org. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle is at Reeve Foundation. Um, there, you could become an advocate. You can run a marathon and join Team Reeve. You can become a fundraiser. You can help us spread the word. You can become a volunteer. All of that is outlined at ChristopherReeve.org and we invite you to become part of our family. In the weeks and months to come, we are going to organize some walks and some activities that can raise money for the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. But for now, if you are hearing this for the first time, the fifth time, or the tenth time, go to ChristopherReeve.org, get the newsletter, and find resources in your area. I'd like to think that if we had this podcast in the time that Christopher Reeve was alive, he'd want to be a part of it. He'd want to be a part of the show. And he'd want us to spread the word about this foundation. Thanks to you, the listeners, we are going to do that. I think in order to accomplish something, somebody has to go out there and put out a vision that makes it seem more real, more tangible. was the phone call 
I'm assuming, well, you have a very, very uh, detail-oriented agent. I'm so impressed. Thank you. I'm glad to hear it. Um, what was the conversation like? And even to take a step back, what was your knowledge of Marvel before that phone call? And what was that phone call like? So I know everything that there is to know about pop culture. I'm disgustingly informed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like you ask me anything. Really? I will. I, oh, yeah. So and you could have been doing these reviews this whole time? That's right. At the theater, I created a, um, because the girls would, you know, the theater group would tease me so much. How do you know all this? And I wrote a, a, a sketch called Zelda Zooms In, and I played a really funny New Yorker who talks like this and insists she slept with Marlon Brando. <laughs> knows everything because we were giving theater. So I told all the theater gossip of the time through her. So I am disgustingly up to date. Like I can tell you everything about Taylor and that Kelsey boy. And I should, I mean, I'm a woman in her 50s. <laughs> like I can tell you that they're called trailer. I know everything. I know that Taylor said they began hanging out to Taylor, shout out. I love Taylor. I mean, what a woman. So and yesterday she became, you know, Time Magazine's person of the year. And I can tell you that whole interview. I can tell you anything. So <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's it's shocking. It's shocking. Except the Real Housewives and that whole thing. No, that's, I don't do that. That's lowbrow. So, You're a little highbrow for that. Yeah, a little highbrow for that. But the reason I'm telling you is that, so I knew everything business-wise about the Marvel Universe. Right, Iron Man, but then and Kevin Feige, the, the, but I did not watch that genre at okay. all. But I knew everything, everything because also remember I grew up, I came up in the nineties, but with Robert Downey Jr. was also coming up, and so sure. we knew him in many different ways, and I knew all these guys from like Ruffalo's been around for years, and so. I just knew about it all from an entertainment and a business point of view a lot. Um, other than that, I come from Ibsen and Chekhov and, and Shakespeare. So uh, that's where it ends. So I had to educate myself and I am still educating myself. And I am um, I must say I'm having quite a bit of fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I bet. It's, yeah. it's funny that you say that about knowing pop culture uh, oh please! The CW. I, could, I could run a podcast. On oh, it. you should! Oh, oh I, I should! I, I, I really I, should! I have oh, an idea. God. We have to do a podcast right. on that. Um. Well, now you're going to come back, and we're not going to talk about you. Of I'm going to when something comes out that's worth reviewing. Travis. You'll do. You'll, you'll be our reviewer. That'll be fantastic. That's right. Um. When the CW shows uh, came out, just to show you how genres cross. Right. Uh, the Flash and Supergirl and all, all, all these shows came out. Yes. yes. I had never seen these actors before. They're all unknowns to me. Right. And friends of mine were saying, what are you talking about? They're all from Glee. Ah, okay. They were all on Glee. And I said, wow, Grant Gustin and Melissa Benoist and, and yes. The Flash and Supergirl. And they were on Glee together. And I was Glee? I, yeah. I, I wouldn't, you could have put a gun in my head. I wouldn't know to guess Glee. I never watched Glee, but I'll tell you whatever you want to know about it. 
<laughs> well, and then and, and then Jane Lynch has been in Only Murders in the Building, and she right. was in the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Correct. And both those shows are brilliant. Uh, brilliant. Absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. That's my that's my favorite. That that's, oh, that was fantastic, and Rachel Brosnahan and the fantastic. Brilliant. I love that show. Yeah. Um, okay, so you get the call. You know, you know that this this behemoth exists. Oh yeah, and you 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 see what what it was, and you're 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 in tune enough to know that at that point Marvel is trying to build on Endgame. I mean that that's basically what they were doing. This this next chapter was the how do we top Endgame, and they were throwing a bunch of blank against the wall like that's that's what they were doing. And I was in tune enough to know that this would be life changing. I knew that this this franchise was the largest entertainment franchise, I think, in the world. Um, and so, but it was not a phone call. It was a regular audition in deep in pandemic. Yeah. So, you, so okay, so you you audition, but you see the casting call. It's they're looking for a Pakistani mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You they're, you must have been like, well, screw that. That I know that person. I was pleasantly surprised, you know, and that's Marvel's credit that they 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 realize oh well, there's there's a and some to Sana's credit that you know they love this comics and decided to take a chance. Kevin took a chance to make a series from it, and also a very smart move because, in case people don't know, well, the Indian subcontinent is like I don't know. We alone in India are one point four billion people. So right. you get the whole market that you haven't captured. It's an it's an untapped resource untapped of viewers. Market. And also I'm I'm a big believer and I think that Kevin was smart enough to see this. Seth, the America has changed. Art has to reflect the populace. We have a lot of people of color in this country. They have to be able to turn on. I cannot tell you the I bring tears to my eyes after Miss Marvel, the amount of people who said to me, I have never seen myself on the screen. I am 50 years old. I have never been portrayed. I have lived here my whole life. How many kids wrote saying, my Ami cannot believe that there is someone who looks and talks and acts like her. Down to the hand gestures, you know, because yeah, we, we yeah. do this a lot. Um, so, huh. it, you know, artists to reflect the culture and the culture of America. And of course, we are happy to include white people, but it's not just white people. And and that's where the backlash also for the Marvels has come is, is like, who, you know, all these three women of color, but it, you have to reflect the populace. You have to be in tune with society and the culture. And, um, so yeah, to answer your question, I was like, oh wow, okay, good, good for Marvel, Pakistani mom, you know, yeah. and um, right here in this living room where I'm talking to you, it was deep in pandemic. So where do I get a reader? I'm not allowed to really, you know, leave the house and meet a friend or anything. Right, right. And I was, I have a young girl who I've. I, I do a lot of private mentoring, like nothing that anybody like, but I talk to a lot of young actors and models and stuff. The young girl out in uh, Los Angeles, and I said, look, I'm really sorry, I'll set up a Zoom. 
can you do this? She was kind enough. We did it on Zoom in my in this very living room, and I sent it. I I was experienced enough at that time to say, because the uh, beginning actors get very excited. Uh, audition, I've done an audition, I'm going to get the job. Right. And you read Marvel Studios there, you're going to, you're going to like your head is blowing up, right? And I was like, don't look, don't think, just just do it, just do it. And that's what I did. I And then, and then two weeks later, uh, my agents wrote back and said, there's a lot of interest. Hmm. And I was still like, don't, 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 don't. Don't screw go. with me. Don't play with don't, me. No, and, but I, to my own head, like, don't start. Because I, young actors will go down this road. Okay, I've got it and this and that. And I forgot, I, I, I'm good at forgetting about it. I do it and I forget about it. I've, I've come to that point. And then when I went to TJ Maxx two weeks after that to return something, <laughs> like I got the phone call in TJ Maxx and my agent, not the one you spoke to, said, um, I'm going to get Don, who is the president of our company, on the phone. And I knew in that moment, because otherwise, why are you getting Why would Don? you be talking to Don? Like the whole, like, it was all out of body. I don't know what they were saying and all the numbers and the, the, this. Uh, I I was, I, I needed to sit down. I really did, because I knew that this was going to be a game changer. And I left TJ Maxx without returning that thing i just walked back home and then this very spot where i'm sitting i sat and i sort of i i i confess that i i was a little emotional i was like fuck what sorry no you can that's okay be honest <laughs> what just happened and then um a <laughs> couple of weeks later um we moved to atlanta yeah and i and we were not allowed to tell anybody Oh, that's so, the worst. And in New York City, your family is your friends. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, now I'm moving next week. So do you think I can tell people? Because, you know, I got to tell my friends. Because they're going to be like, where? What? So finally I wrote and said, um, hi, I'll be going off to Atlanta <laughs> and then to Thailand, which will be Pakistan. Right, right, right. I like wish I knew you then. I, I, I would want to go through and just see what that day must have been like and how you was, can remember it so vividly. I remember, yeah, I have a, I have a, and that's why I'm so good with the pop culture because I have a ridiculous memory for yeah, things. Yeah, you do. Like, even if I want to forget, I won't forget. I came here and you can't see it, but right in front of me is like my little altar. I'm not religious, but I'm very spiritual. And I, uh, my aunt had passed. I had her picture. I have Buddha. I have Ganesh. I have Zaratustra, which I am. And I, I sat in this very spot and I, I was like a little teary. I was just like, what the hell just happened, you know? <sighs> it was it was kind of an out-of-body thing. Um and I had I had to sit down. I did have to sit down. Were there yeah. friends that you had that you told once you were able to tell that were like, what's a miserable? Yeah, and they were like, Marvel, what? Who? Uh, what? <laughs> because a lot of them are not, I mean, the acting friends and the Marvel friends get it but a lot of my friends here are doctors and lawyers and um therapists and all these other you know professions and they're like what's marvel <laughs> oh oh you're going to be in marvel oh. i mean i call my dad and mom right and and i'm like 
how do you explain to like these eight late 80 year olds like what this means you know how do i get the impact and my dad's like yes 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 we read marvel comics i'm like no okay <laughs> but you know how do you explain that we are about to make a little history here we had the first south asian family in the marvel universe and that's the thing I'm most proud of about Miss Marvel. We we shifted the needle a little. We allowed brown girls to dream. To that end, uh, there are two names I wanted to ask you. I, I could ask you about everybody, but there are two names I wanted to ask you. But first and foremost, let's uh, touch on Iman Valani. Yeah. First of all, when am I having her on the podcast? <laughs> uh, she is a... Of, of of fun she is she, yes. she is hysterical she's i think her off camera stuff you know her off you know when she when she's just iman she's just as funny as when she's kamala um where did they find her and they, what what's okay. been your interaction with her How, is she the genuine article is she as she is seen which is just so lovable like everybody wants to be her friend yeah, she's um she's very bright, she's very smart. Um, they found her. Um, she she what she is the real deal. She is the Marvel fanatic that she is in the the film and in the show, and knowing that her aunt literally and I should let Iman tell the story, but he's not here, so her aunt literally sent got this on a WhatsApp group. In, in Markham, Ontario, and sent it to her. And she was a complete unknown. And uh, um, she sent in her audition. And I guess they thought said, this is the girl. Because she's perfectly cast, isn't she? And uh, she is Miss Marvel. She, she has had that font of knowledge. Now, if you want to know anything about the Marvel Universe, she is the person to, to ask. Uh, and um, she's... I think she's more thoughtful and um, I mean, it's very hard to be that bubbly and joyous when we're working 16 hours a day for anybody. Oh, um, and okay. she had the biggest burden to carry uh, in Miss Marvel. So she was getting her rest when she could and all of that. But I think things were much more relaxed for her for the Marvels. Yeah. And Muniba Kamala, um, Iman and I uh, have uh, very much, I think, parallel Muniba and Kamala. We have a very mother-daughter kind of vibe. I I would, I always will have her back. And um, yeah, I, I and I think that's why it works so well because we have a we have very good chemistry. I think we have very good chemistry uh, as scene partners together. Um, and a little bit of it is that I see Iman. I see the kid from Markham, Ontario, and perhaps she sees me because we work, we all walk around in the world with all these masks. But when it's action, I think I see Iman and I think she sees me, if that makes sense. Uh, it's, it's just sweet to know that the relationship that you two have seems so genuine. And yeah, that, I mean that is portrayed. It doesn't enhance it. Well, I, I disagree. I think it enhances the viewing experience. I hope people listen to this podcast who have seen Ms. Marvel and watch it again. Watch it again with the perspective of this 
amazing lady that we just are hearing from and hear the story of how this all came about yeah. and you'll see it differently. Iman was destined for this role and I think she's perfect in it. Um, and I think Sarah Finn, who was our casting director, was brilliant enough to put the four of us, the cons together and say, we can do something here. These four people will make some magic. And um, Kevin and Sana signing off on that, I assume. And I think we do. I think we have a very deep understanding of each other uh, at a more cellular level than if you brought people from disparate cultures together. And uh, yeah, and that comes through. Well, it's 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 a family. Like I said, you know, I I connected to the family aspect because of you. You and I'm not saying that just because you're on. Mm -hmm. Like the the mom, you, you Ms. Marvel's mom was that's my grandmother. Yeah. Like that that was right. my grandmother. And Ms. Marvel's mom, if I may interrupt to say, on the page was not really written as this alpha may alpha, and mm. uh, she was just a lie. I always tease uh, myself like, how many times am I going to say? Let's see the script. How many times am I going to say, Kamala, come down. Kamala, go up. Kamala, come for breakfast. Kamala, come to school. Kamala, go up and do your homework. There's a lot of... Miss Marvel's mom on the page, Muniba Khan was written a lot like this. And then and then I think Mohan and me and uh, uh, Mohan uh, was gracious enough to see and let me become the alpha to his beta. To, to Yusuf's beta. And also I was personally very adamant that I was not going to portray her as just this housewife. I was very clear in my head that Muniba Khan was going to be not a force to reckon with, but I want people to have respect for the viewing audience to have respect for A, homemakers and B, women of color, you know, they are the boss of their home. Muniba Khan is very much the boss of her home. They work really hard. They are very accomplished. They do everything. I was very adamant in my own mind that she was not going to be a caricature saying, do you like the dinner? Come down and eat the dinner. I was gonna layer her as much as I could to honor women of color, especially women of color of my age and her age. Uh, I don't know if that resonates. I don't know how to, don't know how to follow that. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, the other person that hmm. I wanted to ask you about. Hmm. Um, <laughs> this is going to be a call. Sam? Samuel Jackson. No, 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 no. He's been on the podcast. Um, Samuel has been on your podcast. Yep, yep. How much do I adore him? When he, um, when he uh, was promoting Shaft, there's a there's a myth ever since She Hulk uh, that Kevin Feige is not a real person. <laughs> oh my God! The Marvel fandom is out of control. <laughs> I've never heard this one. And it's a guy it's a guy that it's a pretty big compliment for other studios and franchises to say your franchise would be better served if you had a Kevin Feige. 
right it, it the the adoration for this guy mm. is through the roof and i remember interviews i interviewed members of the the show agents of shield in the right. very beginning right. there, there's people who come out out of nowhere and they adore this guy yeah and if it is really like he's a mastermind he's sitting in a big throne room coming up with all these ideas right. it really is mark uh, amazing what's been your connection with feige and uh tell me about him Feige is the mastermind, you know, he's the wizard behind, he resurrected this whole thing, I think, right, starting with Iron Man and all of that. So he's an extremely, extremely busy man. Um, and, um, but he does come to our sets and um, Iman knows him better. Mm. Uh, they're, they're Marvel heads. Um, he's wonderful. He's great. He's smart. He's talented. He's brilliant. He's bloody brilliant, man. And uh, he really is. he's... Um, um he's very nice yeah yeah i have a good i don't I, I haven't met him a lot and i don't know him very well but um well, more I than anybody really... listening to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> but he's wonderful yeah um <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's funny that you say that we um we interviewed this woman who uh she was embedded in the marvel offices for three years Right. And saw how it was all made. And she wrote yeah. this comprehensive book on the MCU and she came on the podcast and it was just a joke because his stature rose with every success. Correct. And well, it's true, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's just, it's fascinating. And what I, what I like that the attention to detail, yeah. you know, the one thing that, that, that Marvel, you know, if, if there's been a criticism uh, of Marvel, it's that they're spread so thin mm. that the connection. And one of the things that I said on the review of the Marvels that I loved was that even though you didn't have to have seen, you really would benefit from having seen WandaVision and Ms. Marvel. Yeah, you would. If you don't see those shows, it's half the experience because it there's is. so many callbacks. And yeah. that's to me Marvel's strength. When it can call back to something that happened 10 films ago, that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, no, Kevin is brilliant at pulling the threads, as we say in the theater. You know, you pull the thread from one thing. So pulling the thread from Miss Marvel to Brie, Brie pushing through the door, and uh, then that's where the Marvels picks up. And mm -hmm. then, um, the you know, at the end of the Marvels, you see um, Kelsey Grammer again and oh, all of yeah, that. Yeah. So... Uh, and I have no no knowledge of that. I promise you. Oh, so, sure, you don't. Uh, right. Don't ask me. But, uh -huh. but that's that's one of the great strengths of that's called building a franchise, and no one does it better. Yeah, it it, it it's it's brilliant, and you know, yeah. I, I will say for the audience, if you didn't listen to to those, uh, when if if this multiverse nonsense is the way you get. Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman and Halle Berry into this universe and you revalidate those movies, you did a remarkable job. If you make right. those movies relevant again, that yeah. is amazing. Uh, yeah. Amazing. And, you yes. know, streaming helps that because as soon as somebody saw Kelsey Grammer in the Marvels, they ran and rewatched X-Men The Last Stand. And right. you can do all right. that because it's one connected universe. Correct. But you have to know how to do that. And I think he does that really, really smartly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in closing, because I, I could do this with you all day. Uh, I'm having <laughs> so much fun. 
Um, That's good. Uh, in closing, I struggled with how I wanted to phrase this last question. Um, mm. There are so many bits of misinformation. There are so many mm -hmm. things that are stereotyped. Mm -hmm. There are so much hatred mm -hmm. going on. Yep. What you're you're not naive to it. Nope. Um, as I joked with your agent, I didn't think the uh, Israel Hamas war was going to be the subject of the podcast, mm -hmm. but you see all of the things that are going on and so much negativity. Mm. How do you make sure that you portray the heartwarming self that you are now that you are, that your public persona has risen so much? Well, I'm, I'm going to make that a two part answer if you don't mind. I, I do want to speak to the the hate you speak of and the misinformation uh, as regards particularly just this film, this lovely piece of work that we have out there. And here's what I want to say, Seth, is that, um, you know, change is very hard for many people. I've said this before, like, I mean, like I won't drink anything but my coffee, right? Like I, I won't even change my coffee brand. And so you, we have a very, a very enthusiastic fandom, but we have parts of that fandom that have been used to perhaps the more traditional white heterosexual male leading that, this, this franchise. And now you have these three amazing women leading it. And it's been, um, a lot of resistance from certain parts of the fandom, as much love as we got. And I just, I really want to say that it's such a fun movie. It's less than two hours and uh, it's not gonna take up your whole life. It's just a movie, don't take it so seriously. Go have some fun and just be, just be open to it. I mean, we can't, like Iman said in an interview, you know, we can't control the box office, but we can, we can tell you, we can nudge you gently and say, hey man, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of great action. There's a lot of great family scenes. And um, change is, is, is scary and change and fear are very interlinked. So don't, don't be scared, just go have some fun. And um, I promise you're gonna like it, yeah. I just wanted to put that out there because, you know, like you said, there's so much unnecessary um, hate is the word. And as far as I'm concerned, like, um, yeah, I'm just an angels and fairies and unicorn kind of girl anyway. Like, I'm a big believer in leading with love, uh, you know, uh, and I just, I hope that I, 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 I've been told, I think I have a natural I'm naturally a warm person and uh, I just think we're going to put out something good. We're going to, we're going to shift the needle with doing something good. Even if it's bad, like kicking a crease ass, but we're going to do it with, with love and humor. And just, you cannot build with anything else. You can't build with hate. So let's, you know, as Martin Luther King said, it's too big a burden to bear. Let's go with love. Just let's go with love. All I can say is thank you uh, for doing thank this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The, uh, the, the honesty, the transparency, uh, it's been wonderful. Um, 
all I can say is continued success. Thank you. And uh, come back. That's all I, I will. I will. We'll talk pop culture. Oh, well. <laughs> Now my brain's swimming because I have all right. kinds of episodes. <laughs> right. Uh, thank you again and uh, have a wonderful holiday season. And thank uh, you. Come back to the podcast. Thank you. Zenobia Shroff right here on the Hall of Justice. What a pleasure. What such a kind, wonderful person. I'm so happy for her success. Next week, we're going to do a holiday thing that we never, ever do on the Hall of Justice. We're going to talk about Festivus. It's a festivus for the rest of us next week. <laughs>